if it doesn't catch you and maybe the picture can be good as well, then, then you're not the right person for the, for the picture, of course. It has to do with the taste and, and what, what, you, what you like and what you don't like about pictures. But if I think if the, there are a lot of pictures that are really so brilliant, everybody likes them. So there's, a, there's something about it. It's, it's all about emotion. This photography podcast is brought to you by Frames, quarterly printed photography magazine. Here is your today's host, W. Scott Olsen, with another fascinating conversation. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast from Frames Magazine. My name is Scott Olson, and today I am thrilled. I am really excited to talk to Thomas Bienert. Thomas has a long and distinguished career in photography, is a very active member of the Frames community, and I am looking forward to this conversation. Thomas, good morning. Hi, Scott. I, I should tell everybody that as we're recording this, I am sitting in the Midwest of the United States and you are in Germany. How is photography life in COVID and life in Germany these days? Yes, it's, I think like in most of the countries, it's uh, much more difficult to work is much more difficult because you have to uh, take care of, of yourself, have to take care of the people you work with. So we are all happy uh, when we're through with that. Oh, I, th I think we are all looking forward. I think there's going to be an explosion of photography once the vaccine comes out and we can start moving around again. I'm going to tell everybody something from your website here in describing who you are. I'm, I'm just going to read what you wrote because I think this is wonderful. You say that you grew up between cow pastures and potato fields in the Lower Rhine. You studied visual communication in the cosmopolitan city of Krefeld, graduated as a designer when Miami Vice was still a television series. You're showing your age there, Thomas. And you have sold herbal liquors, lipsticks, and bank loans as creative director in an advertising firm. And you have painted, drawn, written, composed, made music, filmed and photographed, and photographed and photographed. You say that in between, you've been happily married, helped two children improve the world, and always made art in your head. I think that is just fantastic. Thomas, before we get into your work, which for many reasons I find personally compelling, tell me how you got started. Tell me about you know being a five-year-old with your first camera, or however this came into your life. My father worked as a painter, so he painted houses, not not an art painter, but he wanted to be an artist, but so he he didn't make it. So he he was a but he was al always interested in 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 photography and he had an old camera uh, which had a damaged light meter and he tried to tell me how to uh, take pictures and uh, I said, I do not get it. How? I don't know uh, the aperture and, and, and the shutter speed. And he said, you, you, you have to look at uh, if, if how the sun is, if it's bright, it's, uh, it's aperture number eight or something like I learned it by this because it's all, it was all analog and it was all with film. There was no digital uh, help at this camera. And there was very funny to receive the first photographs you you open uh, the box and you you have nearly ninety percent of that was crap. <laughs> so it was too dark, <laughs> or too, too light. So I I learned it the hard way, <laughs> and, uh -huh. and I'm, I'm really happy now to to work with digital cameras. Really. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But what is it about photography that was appealing to you way back then? 
when I was young, I didn't know. It was just, just the fun about it. What I found out later is that as I worked for many, many years in uh, advertising and I have a great knowledge about making films and conception of making films. And we're thinking about music and all this, what you need to make a good commercial or something. Uh, but there's not one thing that can capture emotion in a part of a second that is photography. No music can. If you take a music, if you reduce it to just a, a part of a second, it will not get any emotion. The same is with, with film. Photography can, can do it. You, you take, a, you slice the time into a part of a second and you see a picture and it, it catches you. And this is what I found so interesting to find the right moment to, to, to something visualized that is maybe sometimes, not all the times, but sometimes it's only there for the part of a, of a second. And that is amazing. It's like magic. Mm -hmm. Are you after the, the emotional response, the, the political response, all, both, none? What, what is it you want people to immediately comprehend when they see your work? From my point of view, it's all about emotion. Even if it's just a, a, a landscape shot or if it's a, a political shot, whatever. The picture wants to tell, wants to grab, no, no, not grab, sorry, wants to enlighten your emotion, something that really catches you deep. And this is something that a good picture always has. If it doesn't catch you, and maybe the picture can be good as well, but then you're not the right person for the, for the picture, of course. It has to do with the taste and, and what, what, you, what you like and what you don't like about pictures. But if I think if the, there are a lot of pictures that are really so brilliant, everybody likes them. So there's, a, there's something about it. It's, it's, it's all about emotion, I think. I love the way you phrase that, too, to say you're not the right person for the picture. That, that puts the picture out in front versus saying that's not the right picture for me, which is a, 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 more, a more selfish way of thinking about it. On your Instagram page and, and on the work that you've shared on Facebook, you have a series that you call the Dark Land series. These are black and whites. They're very low key. They're very dark. And to me, they are profound. Myself, I shoot mostly black and white and low key, uh, oftentimes at night. Tell me where this series came from. Tell me what you're doing here. Uh, tell me what the response has been. It, it's just a fantastic series. Black and white is very interesting for me for for many many years. I think it's it's how I started, and uh, always like to have things black and white. It really started per incident. I was just taking pictures at a at a vacation, and I liked the, the scenery, the landscape. Everything was nice, and there was nice sundowns. and uh, And when I checked the the, the visuals uh, on my computer, uh, I thought. Well, they look really nice. It's sundown. You have these orange and yellow colors. Oh, how nice. It's kitsch. It's total kitsch. And, mm -hmm. and I thought to myself, no, somehow you get your heart. This is what I told about the emotion. I think everybody who, who sees sundown pictures says, Oh, nice. But I thought, yeah, it's nice somehow, but it's, it's not really catchy. And I was trying to tell the story in a different way. And I, and, I, and I made it black and white. And that, if you make a, a colorful picture, just black and white, it's not a good picture at all. You have to, to work on it. And I worked on it and I found out that it was more interesting 
the darker it was. And on the mm -hmm. other hand, uh, I made several pictures of the same countryside. This is in the northern part of Germany. There is a Wadden Sea. This is a uh, the tide uh, when the water is coming. It comes up to to the levee, and if, if it moves away, it's miles away. You you have a huge part of land that is a little bit wet, and it's rather dark. And I found this very interesting that beneath the sea, you have a land. This is once sea and once. One time it is land, so it changes all much. And that, that was the idea that I had for a series that called the Darklands. And I said to myself, it's the North Sea, which is kind of rough. It's not the sea like in Copacabana, Rio de Janeiro, where you, <laughs> where you walk around and you say, Hey, how nice it is. And let's have a swim. No, it's, it's, it's really rough. You wear a pullover and something. It's, it's not this kind of beaches that you have. So this, this is what I like very much. So it's, uh, you have to, you have, and somehow you have to, to fight, to struggle with this country, with this landscape to find the beauty. And I found it that, that even if I put it, make it very dark, it looks very dramatic. I, w I wanted to have it very, very like a cinema. I was thinking about the German director Wim Wenders, who made Havana Social Club, and he made other mm -hmm. American movies that he shot in America. And I always liked this the cinema style of American landscapes. So it's it's all that huge and wide. Wow, great. And this is what I wanted to have in there. And on the other hand, I said the atmosphere should be something like Game of Thrones, but without people. So kind of mystic. So <laughs> this is what <laughs> that was what I was thinking. And when you have this idea in, in your mind, then you have something that you can work on. And this is how mm -hmm. I work on, on pictures. And then I started to to work on my vacation pics and said, hey, I'll, I'll make it black and white and make them really dark. And they look much more better than I thought. They were just, in the beginning, they were just vacation pictures. Tell me about one in particular here that I'm looking at on the screen. And this is the boat that's covered by a tarpaulin or a wrapping of some sort. Tell me the story of that particular image, if you could. This is an image I found. I was at this part uh, three years ago, at this uh, part of the Northern Sea. And um, I went in the morning, I went to, to the uh, bakery to get some rolls or some for, for the family. And there was this boat, it was covered with a canvas. And underneath it had wheels. So I, I could not see if the wheels belonged to the boat or if the boat was on a trailer. I didn't see it. But it looked great because all around was just field. So it looked like, like a Fellini movie. Something put a boat right onto a field. Crazy. First, I made a picture with my um, iPhone because I didn't have the camera with me going to the bakery. And later, I just went there. I said, I hope the boat is still there. I have to have to make the shots. And immediately, I felt from the very first beginning that this was a special shot. Sometimes you have it that you say, this is special now. And even if you haven't found the right way to ex express it, so I have to work on it. But I see it's in the picture, the boat covered with a canvas. It's not, you don't have boats covered with canvas and wheels underneath at every single corner. You say, oh yeah, I've seen, seen one too. No, you don't have it. So it's, it's special. It's great. And the sky was gray and it was, yeah, it all fitted. 
It did. And the way the canvas is covering the boat, you know, it, it's not tied down tight for storage. I mean, there, there's a story here. There, there's narrative in this piece. And yeah. I, I love the way, you, again, you made it very dark, very film noirish, very low key. It is a, a kind of brooding or mysterious photo that I think invites the viewer in to sort of say, okay, you know, dear viewer out there, figure me out. What's going on here? Uh, I love that kind of response to a photo. Yeah, it's also covered like uh, like a dead body. It's like like oh. a funeral for a boat. So it's it's the, the your last voyage is is uh, is there. You are absolutely right. Absolutely. Tell me about one other from the series. And as far as I can tell, it is a person standing on top of some kind of uh, post. Yes, um, this is an artwork. I don't know the artist. It was written. There was a little note. It was a huge post. Think about twice as high as I am. And and there was a, a figure uh, like a swimmer. It was called the swimmer was on it. Okay. It was all originally. It's all in one color. It's all in kind of darker blue. And I found this. The, the artwork was great. Really, the swimmer was great. It's like like. Uh, the swimmer starting to jump into the water and i liked it that it was that we, you could only see it from underneath because it was so high so it was it was a nice artwork and to me it 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 fitted and showing a lot of the sky is just another way to tell a story about the sea if you have a swimmer and you see just the sky you see i have the you feel the water but you don't see it and you you have the sun directly behind the statue, you, so you've got a beautiful silhouette. And again, the the low key, the dark tones. If there's a picture in the dictionary next to the word evocative, I, I think this ought to be one that's there because it, it is a fantastic photo. Looking at this dark stuff, looking at the the brooding stuff, is this an answer to your days in advertising? Is this a result? I mean, how, how does the high energy world of advertising suddenly become these black and white evocative images? I don't know if it's, if it corresponds to my daily work. I don't know. All my life, this is what, what you said in the beginning, all my life I did beneath my, my work, I, I work as a creative director. So the creativity is, is my whole day job. But when I'm home, I have to do something else that's also creative. So I'm not happy to just watch TV or something that's, uh, I sometimes do, but, but not often. And from the very beginning, so I was, I once tried painting and everything, but photography is the thing I can express the best. And I don't know why it's so dark. Maybe I think it, it, it came from these vacation shots that were so colorful sundowns that I found how kitschy. And I have to to make it work in an, in a very different way. Mm -hmm. Completely to the other side of the scale is one of your other projects called "The Day Before," and as dark as the other pictures were, these are just exploding with shapes and colors and and volume and energy. But it's got a really really compelling idea behind it as well. So, I mean, for everybody listening, before we get into the individual pictures and stuff, tell everybody what the day before project is. The story behind this is years ago when, when I started putting my, my stuff onto Instagram, there was nice and it, you could also, for, for me, it was the first time you could see what are other people doing around the globe. 
and I found amazing pictures. Everybody was shooting great stuff. So when I said to myself, "Wow, you cannot compare," uh, or it it doesn't make sense to work on it just so long just to make also nice pictures, you got to have an idea. So I was thinking about of a concept what what could be something that is interesting in in showing in photography and not just making a picture that looks nice this was one reason but that helped me to be working as a creative director for for, for many years so you you make a concept say what is it and i had I had a lot of ideas and i talked to some uh, friends and some people who were in the gallery business and everybody said I think I had five ideas. Everybody picked the same one. It was the day before. I said, this is great. That's not done before. I said, oh, great. Yeah, I'll, I'll work on it. So in the first beginning, it was rough. And now it's it's very clear. The idea behind is we all have pictures in mind when you think of maybe of 9-11 or you, you have pictures of concentration camp or something that's mostly horrible pictures, but pictures you have uh, immediately in your mind. I was interested in how was the life of people who were involved in this just the day before. So when they didn't know what was happening, nobody knows what was happening, what were they doing? And mostly they were not doing something very wow, uh, special. It's just their daily life, daily work. And I found this very interesting to show the the banality of the normal and to compare it to what everybody knows then what happens the next day. So I found that you get a connection to the person much more than by showing the person as a victim. It's just a person that lives a normal life like every one of us. So, of course, every one of us can have this day before. We don't know. Maybe I have it now and tomorrow is something, I don't know. It doesn't have to be that the person dies or something. It could can be an, uh, a positive event as well. What I was thinking was very interesting and and I've made a lot of research for that before I, I make a picture. First of all, I, I search for the story. So the story is really part of the, the visual. Uh, I cannot make a visual just by putting something together. First of all, I do the research. And in, in the best case, I can have an interview. I had an interview here in, in Dusseldorf, where I live, with an old lady who came to a concentration camp when she was six years old. So I had the, the possibility to interview her. She had already written a book about her life and all her impressions in the concentration camp and what happened afterwards. And I said to her when I met her, yeah, that's very interesting. And I've seen a lot of horrible pictures of concentration camps and it's very horrible and hard, hard to understand. But I said to the lady, please don't get me wrong. I'm interested what happened the day before? And she looked to me like, hey, that's not the story. It's a, <laughs> yeah, that's the story for me. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> and though she had written the book, there was not a single word about the day before. And that somehow made me glad. So I said, oh, there's something I can really get to know now here from, from the interview. 
this is this is how I work. And then when I have all the, the, the story together, I think about how to make the picture. And the pictures are mostly made by plants and, and branches and all this stuff. That's something that's nature, because I think nature has the same life cycle as, as we, have. we have. It's birth, life and death. So I, I make abstract visualization about this. And uh, maybe you see it in it or you don't see it. So I, I, I remember in uh, in an exhibition I had I had had a um, a picture that looked like an X-ray of a growing baby in a, in the mummy's body, and I had a story. The story about it was a, a couple who worked at the Fukushima the nuclear plant, and this was the story about. It. And the day before they were at the doctor and they saw uh, the x-ray pic and they say, oh, it's a boy, great. And, and they, you know, it's a very joyful moment. And you see, you think you see the future. That's great. You're so much filled up with love and energy and anything. And the next day the world collapses where you live. So, and I, I told this lady the, the story about it and, and she, <laughs> it wasn't very old lady said, well, yeah, maybe you're right, but... For me, I don't. I just see a bird. It's 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 abstract photography. You can't go wrong if you see a bird in it. I said, why not buy this beautiful picture for a bird? So there we go. There we go. <laughs> I I I am looking at that picture right now, and I think it's important to tell everybody who's listening that that these are abstract. This, this is not street photography or, or no. candid photography of people the day before. These really are emotional responses, riffs to the events that happened, and. If you look at this particular picture, I mean, you might be able to see hair in, in, in part of it, but there's all this this blue and orange. There's something that could be an umbilical cord that's joining left and it, it's a kind of mirror image left and right. It's it's the kind of picture that you do look at for quite some time, trying to you know to fathom your own emotional response to it. The, I'm wondering if you could walk me through the since you mentioned 9/11, if you could walk me through the one you did for 9/11. There is a guy who was an urban ranger in, in Central Park. And he was very much... So I found this story somewhere. So it, I haven't the possibility to interview these people. I do most of the research of stories that I find in the internet, of course. I don't know if they are correct or if they're not correct. I think that mostly they are correct. And if they aren't correct... I think it's not that important because the the outcome of the story is the same. And the story about this guy is that he is he's an urban park ranger in the Central Park and he's very much into the birds. There and I found out there are 600 different types of birds that live in Central Park in New York City. And um, he's uh, very much about the I think it was the falcons, yeah. That he liked very much because how they how they fly how they uh, move through through the air. He planned to go because of his tenth anniversary of his marriage to go to the um, top of the world restaurant on the next day, and he he uh, ordered a table there. Something that is too expensive for him, but he said, "Yeah, this is uh, for an um, anniversary. You once do it." And I, he wanted to show his wife 
how New York looks from above and just to have a, have a nice meal. And he was not hurt in that because the planes hit the, the towers in, in the morning. And so he, he had no chance to go up there. But this is something I wanted to tell this 9-11 story from another perspective. It was interesting. I, want, I just wanted not to, to show someone who died. There are so many people who died. And this is a horrible story for everyone and for Americans or for New Yorkers especially. But I, I've seen it live on TV that I will never forget this. This is the most horrible thing I've ever seen. And I wanted to, to tell it from a different perspective. Something, say, ah, that hap this also happened. So there's a story about it. So how do you get from that poignant story to the purples and the blues and, and the, the flowers and the white space that I see in this image? Well, I, I, I was trying to, to visualize the bird. He was so much into birds and it's, it's about flying high. And there's a connection between the birds and the planes who are also flying high and, and hitting the tower. So this is something that's in between. What I was trying is that always to tell parts of a story so yet you can get into it you you can make your own story about it this is what what i told you before about the lady and there's not one way to see it there's many ways to see the story or to, to feel the story say oh i feel it like this it could be like this or maybe he means it's something like this i want to have it with an open end mm-hmm And I should tell everyone, at least from my reading of the image, it's from the point of view of being uh, at absolute ground level. You're looking up at uh, the blooms of flowers. You're looking up at leaves. You're looking up at uh, what I assume is a bird coming down from mm. the top. The, the point of view in the image is just, I, th I think, a, a tremendously insightful choice. And the way the colors lead from top to bottom. Many people, however, argue that the image and the explanation should be separate, that the image should stand on its own without a single word of text. And yet you've got a really interesting interplay here between the story of the photograph and, and the image. What, what do you think about the relationship of explanation and image? In this special case, as my, my uh, series The Day Before, I'm really into a struggle. On the one hand, first of all, I thought I have to put the words right next to it. And then on the other hand, I say, nobody wants to have a picture on, on the wall with a story beneath it. You see, you, want, you only want to have the, the picture. So and I said to myself, okay, when I do an exhibition, I, I put the words beside it. But if you want to have the pictures, you only get the image and you get the story behind it. See, the story behind You find behind the, the picture. This is what what I was thinking that you in in that special case you need the story. Otherwise, it's hard to tell. You see, what does the story tell? What does the picture tell? You you cannot maybe I think you don't get it. On the other hand, if you see the Darkland series that I have made, I think you don't need to have an explanation. You just watch it. It it catches you or it doesn't catch you. Now then, it's part of the image. If the image does the job good, if it catches you, if not, it, it doesn't catch you. So that's it. Mm -hmm. One of your images from a completely different series, you have put text right in the middle of the image. Uh, I'm looking at one called Works Don't Come Easy right now, a bunch of red, you call it photo art clouds. But you, you, you put the language dead center in the image. Yeah. 
was that just a moment of inspiration? Did you know that you know, going no, in? This was the lock, my first lockdown work. When the lockdown started in, I don't know, was it March? Yeah, March of this year. Mm -hmm. So yep. everybody was forced to stay at home. And I said to myself, so what can I do? being at home, but making pictures. Um, <laughs> and I had uh, a long lens and I shot a lot of clouds. I had uh, a concrete ground floor that I found it very interesting. And I made a lot of pictures that, and I combined it. And this is the series that I combined them and I gave them title with that were similar to song titles, but changed it a little bit. So to make it a little bit irritating, so there's a, was, when was, uh, there was a green one, which where you see, this is, it's called No Time to Die, like, like the James Bond movie that's about to come up. But die is not the meaning of dying, but to, to color. Right. So, um, so this is the play on words that I used with all of these visuals. Then I think that is, that is so, uh, yeah, the fun about, or, or loving glue is killing me, or see, it's not loving you. It's, it's what I had to say. I had something to, I had to be creative when, when the first lockdown was, and that was, was it come out. So that's it. <laughs> I, I absolutely agree. And, and frankly, I hope somebody 10 years from now does a big retrospective of all the turns, all the changes that we all made when the lockdown came, because so many people took up a completely different form of photography, portrait people suddenly taking images of flowers or landscape people, you know, suddenly taking pictures of electrical circuits. I mean, we, we've all had to re redirect our lenses. And I think you found yeah. something really compelling here with this abstract work that you're doing. Tell me what you're working on this week. In the last weeks, I made so many black and white work. So, and I think I have to work on the day before once again, because usually this is my main series I'm working on, but it's, it's so hard. It's hard to, to do the research and find the right stories. And sometimes you have the stories, you don't have the pictures. Some, I have to get back to myself, but, uh, working on the, the black and white ones, this, ah, that's, that's great fun now for me. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's we, I, I stay with black and white for for another week. <laughs> <laughs> Just for a week, though. I like yeah, that. Just I'm for working, a week. I'm work, working on all all different kinds uh, of. I, I cannot work on just one. I don't know. I'm I'm like that. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, well, sir. I, I should tell everyone to the Frames members. Go to the Frames Facebook page. Click on Thomas Bienert, B I E N E R T. You can get a link to his website right there. You can see all of these images. Thank you, sir. This has been illuminating and wonderful. Thank you very much, Scott. It was really a pleasure. Frames, because excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit us at www.readframes.com.